The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Some scribes who came down from Jerusalem said of Jesus, He has Beelzebub, and by the ruler of the demons he casts out demons. And Jesus called them to him and spoke to them in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but his end has come. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his property without first tying up the strong man. Then, indeed, the house can be plundered. Truly, I tell you, people will be forgiven for their sins and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit can never have forgiveness, but is guilty of an eternal sin. For the scribes had said, Jesus has an unclean spirit. The Gospel of the Lord. In today's Gospel from Mark chapter 3, scribes come down from Jerusalem. These are the very big shots, not the local scribes and Pharisees, but these are the powerhouse scholars that have come down to divide Jesus from the people. And they realize they cannot deny his miracles or exorcisms, so they attack his character. And they do it in a very foolish way. Jesus responds, not with anger, but through parables. He's trying to draw these leaders into a relationship with himself and his father. And so he just reasons out that if Satan casts out Satan, Satan cannot stand, nor his kingdom, nor his house. But that's what they're accusing Jesus of doing. Jesus certainly is casting out demons, and they're accusing him of being himself demon-possessed. Then Jesus goes on to say that, yes, Satan is the strong man who has captured humanity after the fall, but now Jesus is the stronger one, and he has come to bind Satan and to plunder his possessions, his goods, which are, of course, humanity since the fall. He then pinpoints the problem with the unforgivable sin, which these scribes who've come down from Jerusalem are very near to committing, because the unpardonable sin against the Holy Spirit is a refusal to repent, this pride that goes so far as to call good evil and evil good, and that's exactly what they're doing. They're calling Jesus, who is goodness himself as God, evil, being possessed. Well, this division is at the heart of the modus operandi of Satan from the beginning. Way back in the book of Genesis, that's what Satan did with Adam and Eve. Convinced Adam and Eve to disobey God and eat from the forbidden fruit, which then had four devastating divisions. First, Adam and Eve were divided against God because now they feared God. They had to hide from God. Prior to that, they were friends, totally open. Now they were afraid. That's what sin does. And then they were divided against each other. Their eyes were open. They realized they were naked. They had to cover themselves. 
so man and woman now divided against each other. The interior of their soul is now divided, the lower passions divided against the higher reason. And then finally, they're divided against nature itself because Adam has to produce goods from the earth by the sweat of his brow. So those four ruptures from the original sin is endemic through all their generations afterwards. It certainly is what caused the people of God, Israel, to be divided from their own temple when they were sinning against God by siding with these pagan nations. The nations came in and conquered them. On and on. Yesterday we began celebrating the week of prayer for Christian unity. As Jesus said in today's gospel, a house divided against itself cannot stand. If Christianity is divided against itself, which it certainly is, it cannot stand. It has no power over the culture which it's meant to have. Its influence is weakened. All these denominations and bickering and fighting. Even within our own Catholic Church, there's division. And God forbid within our family of parishes or within your own family. So what's the remedy here? It's in the first reading from Hebrews chapter 9. The author says that God, through his Son, is the mediator of a new covenant to remove sin by the sacrifice of himself. That's the remedy. Jesus has come to conquer division and sin through his own body. We are the body of Christ. And what we're doing here today with this holy sacrifice of the Mass is being unified ever more deeply because when we pray together, we are unified in spirit, but when we receive Christ in the Eucharist, this sacrament, we become more deeply one body in Christ. We are, through our baptism, brothers and sisters of each other, but when we receive the same Christ, his body and blood, it unifies us into that one body that St. Paul talks about. Unity is what God really desires because it has an evangelical aspect to it. So the night before he dies at the Last Supper, he's brought his 12 apostles together to begin the reunification of God's people around the Eucharist. But in his high priestly prayer at the Last Supper, he says, and he's praying to his father, I pray that they may all be one, even as you, Father, are in me and I am in you, that they may be also in us, so that the world might believe that you have sent me. The world might believe because of our unity in Christ and in the Trinity. Now, how can we avoid division? A number of ways, certainly in our actions, but most particularly in our speech because words can divide very quickly. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 12, you will have to give an account for every careless word that comes out of your mouth. And James in chapter 3 compares the untamed tongue to a raging fire that can spread destruction far and wide quickly. So here we are, let's pray for unity. And we do it by generosity, by love, by forgiveness, as we do in 
every Mass, we pray thee, our Father. Father, forgive me as I have forgiven my enemies. Let us pray.